So with the cross in the way, <clears throat> I've been trying to take turns, so on which side I stand. So just sorry about you folks over there, but can be kind of ignored this morning. But uh, it'll be all right. You guys get my attention, so you can move if you'd like. But um, <laughs> Exactly. It's good. It's good. So next week I'll be on that side. So, you know, anyway, just pick your side. Uh, you know, families are a funny thing, right? I, I got a family. Crazy to think about that, right? You know, I mean, my own family that Debbie and I created, which was amazing and beautiful. But, uh, you know, I grew up in a family, right? My, my, my family was a little bit odd, right? Um, you know, our family is totally, like, normal. Um, but my family was a little odd, I, I, but I love my family. And I think, you know, all families maybe are a little bit odd in different ways. But, you know, for, for, for my family, like, kitchen counters... Kitchen counters were where you sat, right? I mean, you sat on kitchen counters. Uh, you had deep conversations while you're sitting on those kitchen counters, right? It's just what they were for. You know, I, I, you know, frustrated in some homes because they didn't give you a lot of space between the cabinet and the, you know, the, the, the counter space, and so you're kind of, you're always kind of on the edge of that. But you know, if you kicked your feet up. Actually, it worked out all right. So, but anyway, counters were, uh, that's what we did, right? Uh, our love language in uh, uh, my family growing up, and very much so probably in my family now, is, uh, was a love language of sarcasm. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's real. Like, uh, you know, you knew you were in if, the, you know, they, if we started treating you with sarcasm, right? You know, if we started throwing stuff at you, you know, and kind of dropping these little things, you know, and laughing at your expense, you knew you were in. We loved you, right? Uh, if you were kind of new to the family, we didn't know much about you, we were very formal, very nice. Hi, nice to meet you. What's your name? My name is, you know, I mean, it was very, very formal. But once you got in, and you knew you were in because the sarcasm would start dropping, right? And that's just how we were, all right? You know, uh, uh, my family growing up, we, uh, uh, we also, uh, you had to learn how to laugh at yourself, right? Because if you didn't, everyone else would be laughing and you wouldn't. And so you would be like all whiny and stuff, but everybody else is just having a great time at your expense. Uh, and so it's like, you know, what do you do? You know, you just keep getting mad about that or you just join them in the laughter, right? And so we, we, had, to, we, had, to, we had to figure that out. Uh, and, you know, for kids, you know, sometimes that takes a little time. And for me, I was a slow learner. So anyway. Um, <laughs> an, another reality in our family was uh, uh, weaknesses were always to be exploited and uh, manipulated in any way possible in order to gain the upper hand, whether it be in games, whether it just be in an argument, whatever it was, right? If you knew a weakness, boy, we were going to exploit it. Uh, now, you guys would probably say that's kind of mean, and sometimes it was, but you did learn to kind of laugh at your weaknesses or pay attention to the other person's weakness so that you could go back at them, right? You know, I'll get you. Uh, we, we also were very competitive, right? Uh, very, very competitive. Anytime there was an act, I told you last week about basketball, right? I mean, my dad, I'm five years old, and he's swatting all my shots and Nerf basketball, right? I mean, not going to let anybody just win. There will be none of that in my house, right? And so it was very competitive. You were always fighting for every inch, okay, every inch. And then finally, this is the other thing uh, that uh, actually is very similar to my home as well today. Um, but uh, the other thing was my mom always laughed hardest 
at her own jokes. <laughs> it's just the way it was. Always. I don't know, maybe that's your, true in your family. But it's the true in my family. My wife is, yeah, she's very much like my mother. She, she is, she's hilarious. She's hilarious. It's true. So family, right, it's just a cool thing, right? It's this interesting thing. And, and there's so much power in families, right? It's amazing the power that's there, right? Uh, first of all, just the relationship aspect of a family, right? I mean, that is where we all kind of begin to form those relationships and what it's like and how to interact and how to care for each other, how to love each other, right? How to, how to you know, figure, yeah, right there. See this guy, right? Over, he's learning it right now. Hi, bud. Hi. Yeah, it's Uncle Sean. Hi. So do you. Uh, anyway, you know, this is where you learn these things, right? And, and, and you, this is where you get your identity, right, in those relationships. As you get to develop, you figure out, you know, whether or not you're valuable or not or, or how you're valuable, right? And in what ways are you valuable? What ways are you not valuable? Uh, what your purpose is, right? You know, my, my dad would always say, you know, he, he had, we had a you know, family kind of character and purpose, right? You know, it's like, you know, if I began to act in a way that wasn't good, like he, you know, he dropped the Vandemark, you know, label on me. Uh, that is not how Vandemark's act, young man, right? You know, or, you know, Sean Wesley or whatever. Uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, so this, but this is the reality of families. This is the power of family. And, and that, we carry that with us our whole lives, right? I mean, you really can't ever get rid of that in essence. It's always kind of going to be there and developing. Uh, our families are also the power to protect, right? To, to, this, is how we're, we, this is how we survive, right? I mean, little Isaac over here would not survive unless he got mom and dad to care for him, right? To make sure he's fed and warm and, and, and loved very well, right? W families are a key piece of our protection, Right? They protect us from this world, protect us from the things that are out there, right? And, and, and so often, right, it's a place of security. It's a place of peace is what it's meant to be, right? Uh, it's also a place of provision where we get food, where we get our clothing, where we get shelter, where we can find rest. Right? I mean, oftentimes, you know, I, my wife and I were, you know, kids, right? Your kids are, yeah. Anyway, kids are great, but we were... We would put up with our kids in some of the behaviors in the home, right? And we were just like, oh my gosh, why are you acting so horrible? But one of the things that we came as they got older and we began to hear how they were interacting in other people's homes, we were proud of the fact that they were out acting out at home, but when they were other places, they weren't, right? And, and there was a sense of they understood how they were supposed to behave, but also showed us that when they're home, they felt at peace. They felt like they could act out, right? And that's a good thing, right? That they could do that. It was a safe place for them to do that as a place of security. And, and it's also the family is a place of blessing, right? You know, we are better together, Right? I mean, when you have a family that's working together, you're taking all of the different skills, all the different talents, and you're using them together, you're benefiting the whole family. You know, to have a, a, a wife or a mom who's there to be able to have that nursing kind of perspective and able to care for the kids when they're little and, and to make sure that they're comforted and cared for what they need, but also to have a husband or a, a father who is able to have these skills to go out and, and bring home the bacon as it was, or even roles reversed, which happens nowadays sometimes, right? But the idea is that we use our different skills and abilities in order to, you know, find greater blessing. I, I, imagine, I mean, we have 
a, a real problem in our culture right now of single mothers. Not that single mothers are horrible, but the fact is they're doing it by themselves. And many of them are amazing in what they can do. But imagine what those amazing single mothers could do if they had a father in the home. Right? I mean, the blessings that come when we work together, right? And, and that's what family is all about. But of course, as I've already kind of alluded to, we have an issue in our culture today that's been going on for some time now, but uh, uh, where there is also weakness, and maybe this isn't just for today, but this is all of time. Families have always had some weaknesses in them. Areas of conflict or areas of struggle. Times when we find that families are in the midst of abuses, where families become a place or a source of rejection, become a, a source of desertion, where we maybe lose family members due to conflict or maybe even just to death. We see that when that happens in our world, that our family gets disrupted. We, get, we, we lose sight of that relationship and begin to get that, that becomes skewed and we don't understand how to have our own relationships. And as we grow, if you, as a kid, you know, if you lost one parent or didn't have one parent, being able to interact and relate with others may be more of a challenge. And as you get older, you find that more and more of a struggle or, or just, you know, the fact of not having that security, not having a place that's safe to come home to. Maybe both parents are there, but there's just abuses that are going on, and it's not a safe place, and you need to get out of there. And so you begin to recognize this reality that we become more and more individualistic, and we begin to search for love. We begin to try to provide it on our own. We try to, try to earn it on our own. Instead of having a family that's doing that and the dynamics are good, we now have to go and seek it out. Seek out security and protection. And many of us have spent our lives trying to get these things that the family is designed to offer. Trying to find our identity. Trying to find a place of protection and security and peace and rest. To, trying to provide for ourselves by having enough food and having a shelter and having clothes and being able to care for all those things all by ourselves. This is the reality of the family that we're in, many of us in today. Matter of fact, I would say all families has some weakness in it. It's just the reality of being sinful human beings, amen? And then in Scripture, we find this beautiful story it's, you know, when I first thought about the w describing it that way, I, it seemed natural to say that. But then I went back and went, wait a second. This is on the cross. In the middle of this ugly, torturous affair of Jesus on the cross, there's this beautiful moment. <laughs> Unbelievable. So in John chapter 19, verses 23 and following, it reads this way. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each shoulder, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothes they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother 
and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to, his, to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. In the midst of this moment of extreme agony, Jesus thinks of someone else, thinks of his mother. You see, uh, Mary at this time was a widow. Josh, uh, Joseph had died, and so she had been a widow probably for some time already. And Jesus had instructed, in, he, you know, by law, he was to care for her as you know, the oldest son. And he had done that for his, you know, uh, his whole life. I mean, I, you know, I, th- I thought about this the other day. You know, I wonder, you know, when Jesus, the first miracle, okay, turning, Jesus turns water into wine, okay? So Jesus is at this wedding, Mary's at this wedding, and Jesus' first words, it says, hey, you know, it's not my time. And, and I think, I wonder if maybe this is part of what's going on in Jesus' mind, a very human perspective of this, but maybe he's thinking, wait a second, no, no, no. I'm still caring for you, Mom. It's not my time to begin this mission because I'm still caring for you. You're still my responsibility. And if I start this mission, I, I know I'm going to have to leave you. And I don't know if you're going to be okay. And, and so I just feel like you know, it needs to, I need to be here with you still. And then Mary says, come on, it's time. Do what you, do, tells the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And then he steps into that. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's what's going on, but you see this understanding at, the, at this point in time, right? He's dying, he knows he's dying, this is it, and he's got his mother who is in char- who's, he, he's in charge of still. And, and here's the other thing, his brothers don't believe in him yet, right? They don't, they're not Christians yet. They, they're actually rejecting Jesus. They're not at the cross. They're, they're, not, they're still thinking Jesus is some crazy guy out there. And so who does he give you know, his mom to? Who does he say, hey, I need somebody to care for my mom? Do I, do, does he give it to his brothers who aren't even there to be able to hear that? Or does he pass her to the disciple that he loved? But no matter what, he had his mom's concerns in mind, recognizing that she needed to have someone to care for her. And so he passes Mary is one of his disciples. But of course, it's not a hard stretch for our minds to think about what he's done for us in the cross as well. To John, he offers his mother. To all of us, he offers his father. You know, because because of Jesus' death on the cross, it opened up the doors of opportunity for adoption into his family, into God's family. We, we have a chance to get a new family. Now, now some of us have great families. I, I, I've got a great family. Why do I need another family, right? It's like, I'm pretty good with what I got. It's, you know, pretty healthy, and, you know, we get along pretty well, and, you know, except for my sister, you know, I don't got to talk about her, but, you know, I always give her a hard time. I do love her, you guys, just so you know, and she's awesome. But uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, I've got a good family, so what do I need another family? But again, there's always weakness in the family. 
in the weakness of the family, there's always room for isolation and loneliness. There's always that going to happen, especially in now. I mean, I think about my life. It's like I still love my family, but I have got distance. I got miles from them. I don't get to see them on a regular basis. You know, part of our coming to Redding, California, <coughs> hard to say those words sometimes, uh, sort of my coming to Redding, California was the reality that I was leaving my family. Right? And I, was, I, was, I had already left them a little bit, but I was at least still you know, pretty close, and now I'm further away. But again, the promise that I got at that time, and we all get in this moment on the cross, is that we have a family that is not biological, that's spiritual. That we have been adopted into the family of God, and that family goes with, goes with us everywhere. We always have that. And the amazing thing about this adoption, you know, an adoption in this culture back 2,000 years ago, adoption is kind of the same way nowadays. Adoption is it's different than having a kid, right? You have a kid biologically, you know, uh, you, can, you, you can eventually, there can be things that happen that you would lose that kid, right? You know, they, you could, they would be adopted away. You could adopt them out to somebody else if you couldn't handle it or you could have it taken away. Adoption is different. It's, you, you're legally bound to that child forever. You can't just like say, oh, I don't want you anymore. We're going to move on to something else. And this is the reality of the cross as well, that our adoption into God's family, it's a, it's a, this is, we are legally bound to him. He can't get rid of us. He's never going to get rid of us. Matter of fact, it's not based on favor. It's based on law, the fact that once we are adopted into his family, we are there. It's not about us making him happy. It's not about what we do for him. We're in and we're in forever. Being adopted into God's family is the greatest thing in the world because it's the greatest family in the world and it's we will never lose that family. We get the full benefits of being a child. It's not like we're second-class citizens. In God's family, we are treated just like Jesus. In the family of God we receive, first of all, access to the Father. Think about that for a minute. Again, we're not just like, you know, we're not just like let in the door and we've got to sit in the back of the room. You know, we're not just like, you know, we, well, we've got, you know, a dormitory next door that you can stay in and we, you can eat your own meals over there, but we've got a different thing going on over here. This is for the biological kids over here. No, no, no. We have access to the Father. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 and following. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus... See, we're not confident because, you know, a lot of times people talk about stepping boldly into the throne room of God, and I believe we can do that, but our boldness is not because I'm great, it's because of the blood of Jesus. See, so often we can go in there with arrogance, so it's boldness and arrogance. Hey, God, you got to do what I say because, you know, I'm, I'm one of your children. No, 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 we are walking in boldly because of our trust in the promise of Jesus on the cross and the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. We can step into this 
throne room of Jesus with confidence, knowing that he's not going to smite us, he's not going to throw us out, that he loves us, we're fully accepted, we're fully children of God. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Amen. See, the reality is we have access to the Father, and as we are interacting with him, and we are in relationship with the Father, he teaches us how to be in relationship with others. He's the one who then sets our identity See, you know, we grow up in these families who set our identity. Sometimes that's fairly healthy. Sometimes it's fairly kind of morphed and, and bad, right, and ugly. And, and so we, we live our life based on those identities. This is who I am, and so this is how I live. When you become a Christian, you've got a new father now who is going to give you a new identity, that you are a child of God, that you are a, a child of the kingdom of God, and that you are, you know, loved by him, and that you have a, a place to go, a purpose in life that he sets, See, this is the access of the Father. We find our value, we find our purpose, we find our identity now in God the Father. And his identity that he gives is always perfect. Perfectly, exactly the way he created us to be. Also in this family of God, we have provision from the Father. He provides for us. He cares for us. The, 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 you know, here's the deal. You know, at the beginning of the service, we read Matthew chapter 6, and some of you are like, whoa, boy, wow, you know, in a time of fear and all this. But here's the amazing thing about God, right? He knew I was going to be preaching this message, and that passage lines up exactly with the fact that God provides for us, that we're in the family of God. We don't have to worry about where our food's coming from. We don't have to worry about where our shelter's coming, where our clothes are coming from, where our, our, our you know, the rest and the peace that we're going to experience. He provides it all. He is faithful. He will always be there for us. He will always take care of us. Consider miracles that we experienced this week in Rebecca Moravik's life. Maybe you heard this, maybe you didn't. On Tuesday, the insurance told her, no, we're not paying for any of your chemo, at least until March 27th. She was like, what do we do? There's nothing we can do. I've been on the phone for days and I can't get him to say anything. This is Tuesday night. The prayer warriors in this church and in this community began to go to the Lord and say, Lord, provide, take care of your child. And so by the time, by the end of Wednesday, two of the three chemos were approved. She had treatment on Thursday and found out that the third chemo was approved. On Friday, she had her first chemo treatment. God is amazing. He provides and cares for his people. We don't have to go to our earthly fathers. Not that our earthly fathers are bad. Maybe many of them are great. But what we really need to understand it is that our heavenly father is the one who cares and provides for us. Always go to him. We also receive protection by our heavenly father, by God. He's the one who cares for us and protects us. He protects our life. He protects our soul. He protects our reputation. He protects, our, uh, he protects us from evil things that are going to happen and will happen and the results of those things. In John chapter 10, consider these verses, verses 27 and following. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says, and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish 
and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Amen? We have a God who protects our life and our soul protects our reputation. So often we think we have to defend our reputation, especially as Christians in a world that is becoming much more hostile to us. We think that it's up to us to protect God's reputation, to protect our reputation as a Christian. No, 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 it is the opposite. God is the one who protects our reputation. Our job is to follow him wherever he leads, to speak the words that he gives us at the time. And as we do that, allow him to take take care of whether that person that we're speaking to accepts it or rejects it or whatever they do with it he is the one who protects our reputation he's the one who brings justice and we get blessings from our father you know this is the deal we there's so much more you know the family of god and i just want to expand this a little bit you know we have the father who provides these amazing blessings but through the church right we are the family of god it is amazing what we can experience just even my wife and i moving here to redding california away from our kids away from our parents all of that kind of stuff and how god has given us family here, the relationships that we've developed that are so important to us, so, uh, so, uh, such a huge blessing to us, little kids that we get a hold and, and, and pretend like they're ours for a few minutes, right? And uh, it's, it's awesome. I mean, the family of God is huge. It's massive. It's not just, you know, my sister and my parents and I. There's so much more to it. And so the blessings are so much more extreme. This is the fact of being, this is what the reality is of being in the family of God. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and following. I'll get there eventually. Sometimes hard to find those little tiny numbers. Um, All right, here we go. The world cannot hate you. Is that right? I'm in John chapter 7. That's a great, that's a great passage too. Um, (laughs) That's why I had to start talking about time. Anyway, moving on. Matthew 7, 7. Ask... And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil... (laughs) know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We have a Father who blesses us abundantly, abundantly with life, abundantly with relationships, abundantly with the basics. Think about this in America, how much God has blessed us, how much stuff do we have, the amazing huge homes that we have, the amazing cars, the amazing clothings, and the, and the closets to hold them. I mean, do you understand how wealthy we are? That is all because of God's amazing blessing, his abundant blessing poured out into our life. We need to understand and recognize that this is who This is the family that we're in. It's a good family because he's a good father. We have access to him. He provides for us. He protects us. He blesses us. And we are not alone. You see, on the cross, Jesus 
was alone. It says after his interaction with his mother and John and the other women that were there, it says within the hour they were gone. And Jesus was alone. He took our loneliness by being lonely. And he offered us family. If you've been deserted by your family, Jesus says, I've got a family for you that'll never desert you. If you've been rejected by your family, he says, I've got a family for you that will never reject you. If you've been abused by your family, he says, I've got a family for you that will never abuse you. The amazing truth of the cross, the amazing truth of who Jesus is, is that he has offered us family. We are no longer alone. We no longer have to try to protect ourselves. We no longer have to try to provide for ourselves. We don't have to fight that fight any longer. We can actually just sit back and enjoy the amazing realities that it is to be in this family, that he's taking care of these things for us. He's giving us our identity. We don't have to try to scribe, you know, dig around and try to find what, what our identity is. We don't have to try to do all these experiments and, and do all these different experiences in order to find what our identity is. No, we just need to go to our Father and say, well, who am I? Right? We don't need to try to provide for ourselves by working so hard that we've got enough food and the nicest car and a bigger house and all we don't have to do all that we've got a father who's going to provide for us we don't have to worry about our protection and make sure that we're secure make sure that we defend ourselves and defend everybody else that we like around us right we have a father who is going to protect us we don't have to worry about getting abundant blessing because we have a father who blesses abundantly I don't know if we have the video up. Do we have that video that I... Okay, I, I want to show a quick video. I know, and worship team, why don't you come up while we show this video. Um, I, I want to show this really, video really quick, uh, just the first minute of it, and then uh, I think you guys get the point real quick, and then we'll go from there. That's the kind of father that we have, the kind of love that he has for us. And the question, of course, is, do you recognize that, right? Do we know the father? And especially in times like this of chaos and panic, may, may we hear his voice. Recognize that we are in a family, a spiritual family that's going to last for all eternity with a good father who knows. He knew all this was coming. He knows what tomorrow holds. And he is protecting us. He's providing for us. He's blessing us. He's giving us our identity. Praise the Lord, eh? Amen.